This is Sunday Night Worship Service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Church on this July the 16th, 2023. Senior Pastor Farrell Partisan bring the message today, part 15 of What We Believe. If you have your books, you can follow along with us. If not, let us know and we can get you one. Here's Pastor Farrell. Wasn't it pretty to see our young folks up here this morning? And and uh, we know that's going to grow and just appreciate um, Scotty and Jamie and uh, not just them, but their their team, their volunteers that work around them, just really, really do appreciate them. We're going to get back into the book tonight, and um, uh, we took a little break there, and uh, we're going to get back into it tonight. Uh, we are in chapter three. I don't think there, but about hmm, five or six chapters. I can't remember uh, five or six chapters in this book, but uh, we're going to get back. Two at chapter three, uh, we've talked about the Word of God, what we believe about the Word of God. We've talked about what we believe about Jesus, and now tonight we're going to talk about salvation, what we believe about salvation. Let me just make a declaration here tonight. Every single one of you already know it, but let me just make a declaration. I need saving and you need saving. We need to be saved, amen? We need a Savior. We need somebody who can rescue us. If if the Lord doesn't rescue us, we are uh, doomed. We're doomed not only in this life, but we're doomed even more importantly in the eternal life to come. So we need salvation, uh, sometimes I, I work on my prayers and I try to add, uh, you know, it's so easy if you're not careful, you just pray the same thing over and over every time you pray. Uh, but I try, to, I try to work on my prayers and make my prayers fresh. Uh, the Lord don't need that. Uh, he knows our heart before we say it, but it does me good to think about what I pray and, and what I say. And so I'll introduce some new New words. One word that I started saying when I pray uh, that's helped me is to tell the Lord, I'm desperate for you, Lord. I'm desperate for you. Have you ever been desperate? You ever been desperate? I'll tell you one time, I almost was desperate. I was in a revival like in West Virginia uh, somewhere. And I don't know if y'all have ever drove in West Virginia, but you do not want to get lost on a road in rural West Virginia. And uh, I was out of gas, and there was not a gas station. I couldn't see a gas station anywhere. It was back when you didn't have a phone with you. And uh, uh, I remember just thinking, what am I going to do if I run out of gas? And uh, I just almost got to panicking because I really really wasn't sure where I was uh, anyway, and uh, I thought I was on the right road, but I'm telling you, there wasn't a light, there wasn't a store, I didn't see a house light, I didn't see nothing but darkness. And I just said, Lord, please don't let me get uh, uh, left on the side of the road out here and thank the Lord about the next curve. There's a big old gas station sitting over there on the right. And I know that's not a big deal. Y'all have been in situations like that too. But I'm talking about that that feeling uh, you don't have very often, but you have almost, well, a little, almost a panicky feeling, you know, that, that something horrible, something terrible uh, is going to happen. You don't know what the answer is. Uh, we are desperate for the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, 
There's no other Savior but Jesus. He's the only Savior. When I talk about salvation, now in this world, I can get in need. Uh, I've heard of it. I've never done it myself, but I've heard of preachers locking their keys in their car. Have you ever heard of a preacher doing that? I've heard about that. <laughs> and I think I hadn't been here but about two or three weeks, and I locked my keys in my car. And, and there was a lot of people here to help me, and I, I appreciate that. And um, uh, uh, it's just wonderful to have neighbors and family and people you love. But they can't save us eternally. They can't rescue us. There's only one. There's only one. And we're just going to talk about salvation. And tonight I'm just going to give some introductory thoughts about it. I love the way he begins his books, his chapters, rather. Uh, he begins his chapters talking about the topic in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. And then there's the poetry books, which are uh, Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and and uh, Song of Solomon, and I believe Job might even be uh, one of the poetry books. I uh, can't remember right now. And then there are wisdom, the wisdom books, and that's probably really uh, Proverbs and Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. Those are, those are the wisdom books. I should have looked that up right before I, I did it tonight. And then there are the prophecy books, and those are the prophets of the Old Testament called the prophecy books. And then there, there are the... Um, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's the book of Acts, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. And then there are the epistles, which are the letters that Paul and the others wrote that follow uh, the first five books of the New Testament, the epistles. Um, I told you all that funny story about the fellow who said uh, uh, the epistles were the wives of the apostles. and That is not right. The epistles are letters. They're letters that were written uh, by uh, great, great scholars, men of, men of God, great men of God. And then the Apocalypse, uh, which is the book of Revelation, the end times. So let's, let me just go through, and I don't know if you have your book with you, but just listen very, very carefully. As we talk, uh, we're going to just pull a scripture from the book of Exodus as God uh, speaks to the writer Moses about man's salvation uh, uh, in the Old Testament, the Pentateuch again, pent meaning five, first five books of the Bible. The Bible says in Exodus 14, 13, Exodus 14, 13, and Moses said to the people, listen, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today for the Egyptians whom you see today shall Never see, you shall never see again. And so that was talking to the people of God about the Red Sea. Uh, they were at the Red Sea, and he said, um, he said, I remember in the movie, Ten Commandments, when he held that uh, st uh, staff up, that, that um, shepherd's staff, and said, See, stand still and see what? The rescue, the salvation of the Lord. The poetry books, he pulled the scripture from Psalm 27, 1 from the poetry books. Listen to this, the Lord, this Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light, no other light, there's no other light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. No other salvation come, there's no other source of salvation except the Lord. 
Whom shall I fear? In other words, if the Lord is with me, if the Lord is my hope, if the Lord is my light, if the Lord is my salvation, then whom shall I fear? The answer to that is no one. I fear no one. Uh, we, we talked about Gideon this morning, and old Gideon was having some trouble with his fear level. And uh, uh, I gave you an illustration uh, just a moment ago about uh, me and something that really panicked me. And we, so we all deal with fear. And uh, he says, Who, why should I fear if the Lord is my light, if the Lord is my salvation? Still in Psalm 27, 1, listen to this. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. The stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And that's a rhetorical question. We know that the answer to that is you don't have to be afraid of anybody if your hope, your confidence, your trust is in the Lord. And then in the wisdom books, yes, the book of Job, the book of Job chapter 19, verses 25 and uh, through 27, look what he says here, for I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last he shall stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, here's the part I want you to get, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Scripture about God being our salvation. He's our salvation in every situation. But most importantly, He is your salvation in preparing yourself to face eternity. That's most important. If I have a financial issue, He is my help. If I have a physical issue, He is my help. If I have a relational issue with somebody, the Lord is my help. But the primary way God is my help is in saving my eternal soul from sin and allowing me to be born again, there's nothing more important than that. Nothing in your life more important than you being right with God, than me being right with God. And then in the prophetic books, he goes to Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22, he says, turn to me and be saved. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other who can save you. No other. Yes, there's another power in the world, and that's Satan. But he know, we know what he's come to do. He hasn't come to help you. He hasn't come to save you. He's come to kill you, to destroy you, steal from you, take away from you. And our God has come to bless us, to be a blessing to us, and to save us and to rescue us. Let's go to, um, I believe, the book of uh, uh, the uh, Gospels in Luke 19 and 10. And now it gets down to really pointing the finger at our Savior, Jesus. Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, I, I haven't ever been a real bad boy, but it don't matter if you've been real bad or, or maybe you're a pretty good person. It doesn't matter. You need to be saved. Everybody needs to be saved. 
I've said it to you before. I'll say it to you again. I know it's a strong statement, but I would rather be a drunk laying in a ditch on a Sunday morning because I'd been out partying all night. I'd rather be there and know I'm lost than to be sitting in a church somewhere with a necktie on and think I'm saved and I'm not saved. Amen. Did y'all get that? I want, I'm glad God says, Pharaoh Hardison, your good deeds, your good works, uh, you had a good mom and daddy and they brought you up in Sunday school and they brought you up in church, but that's not your salvation. That's something we need to teach our children because I've heard confusion. I had a friend in school, in high school. And I love him, and since he's gotten saved. But he explained to me one day that he knew he was a Christian, and he knew he'd go to heaven when he died. And he explained to me that the reason he knew he would is because of his daddy, of what his daddy had done, and because of his grandfather and what his grandfather had done. And I like what one preacher said when he heard that from somebody. He said, God's got children, but he don't have any grandchildren. God don't have any grandchildren. But, but he's got children. Every individual, your children, your children, their children, every individual has to come to Jesus on their own and make an account for their life and give their life to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go to heaven because of the churches I've pastored. I'm not going to go to heaven because of the churches I've been a member of. I'm not going to go to uh, heaven because I went to Heritage Bible College and got a degree. I'm not going to go to heaven because uh, I worked at youth camp. or I'm not going to go to heaven because of who my daddy was or my grandma and my grandpa. I'm, I'm going to go to heaven because I got with Jesus myself and said, I'm lost, Lord, and all my good deeds cannot save me. Will you save me? I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. That's why I'm right with God. Because I got with God. And that's what every man and woman, every boy and girl has to do if they want to be ready for eternity. And then it's brought up in the book of Acts. Following the Gospels in the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. <clears throat> And they said, I believe this is the story of uh, Paul and Silas talking to the jailer. jailer. Uh, well, you remember when Paul and Silas were in jail and God shook the jail? That's where that gospel song, Jailhouse Rock, came from. Y'all write that down. And God shook the jailhouse. You remember that? And I like what the black preacher said about that. He said, you know what that was, don't you? And uh, he was preaching. He said, you know, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's footstool. And he said the Lord had his feet up on his footstool. And Paul and Silas got to singing. You remember? Paul and Silas were in jail. Stocks and bonds, the Bible says. And they began to sing praises to the Lord. And that black preacher said the Lord got to patting his foot. Said his big toe landed right on that prison. <laughs> and shook it. And Paul and Silas uh, could have run. They could have, uh, they could have said the, the, the doors are open. The chains are, have fallen away. Let, let's flee. Let's get out of here. But they didn't do it. They paused and looked around to see if they could help somebody. To see if they could minister to somebody. And they saw that jailer. And he had unsheathed his sword and was about to plunge it into his own body. And Paul and Silas said what the Lord always says. Do thyself no harm. 
We're not, we're not fleeing. We're not running. We're right here. Because the jailer knew that because everybody escaped, they'd probably kill him. So he was going to go ahead and kill himself. You know, Satan's telling a lot of people to do that. Satan's telling a lot of our young people to do it. Have y'all read and heard the statistics of the suicide of little children? Uh, When I say little children, I'm talking 10, 11, 12 years old, taking their life because they feel hopeless. The Bible says that, that Paul and Silas said, do thyself no harm. Listen, God, anytime you hear somebody talk about, talk about, suicide you tell them god says do thyself no harm that's a command from the lord don't don't harm yourself and the reason the lord would say that is because he would say there's always hope if as long as i'm around the lord says and i'll always be around there's always hope do yourself no harm and the bible says that that jailer came and fell down on his feet fell down at their feet and said he asked a question what must i do to be saved and that's what we're talking about tonight, salvation. What can I do to be saved? And this is Paul and Silas right here in, in Acts 16, 31. And they said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because there's only one way. Amen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And sir, you will your salvation will have an impact on your family and they too will be saved. And you know the story. That jailer got saved, took Paul and Silas back to his house. They led that whole family to the Lord, got them baptized. Looks like in the scripture, I'd have to go back and refresh myself, but I believe it all happened in the, in the same day. We ought to have a big old pond out here. When somebody gets saved, just run out right then and put them under. Amen. We got a, a baptism coming up here before too long. Uh, so you keep your eyes and ears open. We want to have a, a lot of people get baptized that day. It's coming up and uh, we're looking at September. So uh, be in prayer about that. And then in the epistles, the letters, you know, Paul wrote a letter. Peter, John uh, wrote letters uh, in the Bible. And this one is Hebrews 7.25. And in reality, the book of Hebrews, it don't say who the author of Hebrews is, but I told you all the other Sunday, I believe it's Paul. It looks like Paul. Most, most Bible scholars think the, uh, the, uh, the way the book's laid out and some of the phrases in the book show that it probably is Paul who wrote it. And uh, it says uh, in Hebrews 7.25, listen to this, Consequently, he, that is the Lord, is able to save to the uttermost. For those who draw near to God through him. You can't get to God except through Jesus. You can't get to God. Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, you got to come see me. you got to come see me. And the Father and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that's one God, not three gods. One God, all of them equal, all three equal in power and in authority. He says, he says, consequently, he, the Lord, is able to save to the uttermost, to the uttermost. I, I like that. That's, a, that's worth doing a word study on uttermost. Uh, that means you'll get in all the cracks and crevices. <laughs> he will save you to the uttermost, who draw near to God through him, since he always lives, that is, Jesus always lives, to make intercession 
for them. Did you know Jesus? You know what that word intercession means? It means pray. It means speak in behalf of. As a matter of fact, it's really a legal term like a lawyer, like an attorney. The Lord, uh, and do you'll have to do a study on this. I don't have time to get into it tonight. But Jesus pleads our case to the Father. He's our intercede. He is our our inner uh, session. He intercedes for us. He's our attorney. He's our representative to the Father. That's what that re- that's what that's what that intercession means right there. And uh, isn't that wonderful to know Jesus is praying for you? Jesus is praying for me. You know, I thought about that. And of course, uh, I. Uh, I get tickled sometimes when I think about uh, the Bible and the way it says things. I can just see Jesus trying to explain me to the Father. <laughs> uh, we, Father, uh, Pharaoh has blown it again. <laughs> but have mercy on him. Have mercy on him. And then in the uh, and then the apocalypse, which means the end, the end of time, Revelation 7 and 10, and crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Now y'all, he's not one God among many. He's not one king among many. He's not one who sits on a throne among many thrones. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like our God. There's no false God There's no body, no power that can be compared to the Lord. And salvation belongs to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And who's the Lamb? Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. I like that he put this old hymn in here. I want to read these words to you. Um, We don't sing it anymore much, but but he put it in here. And I want to sing it. I start to tell one saying this. I do not want to sing this. And you don't want to hear it. But I do want to read it. We have heard the joyful sound. Y'all already know, don't you? We have heard the joyful sound. What's next? Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the gladness all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Listen to this. Wafted on the rolling tide. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Tell to sinners far and wide. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Sing ye islands of the sea. Echo back ye ocean caves. Earth shall sing her jubilee. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Sing above the battle's strife. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. By his death and endless life. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Uh, saves. Sing it softly through the gloom. When the heart for mercy craves. Sing in triumph or the tomb. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. One more verse. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hill and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves. 
Jesus' names. Amen. That's the message tonight. Um, on this point, like many other points I've taught in this book, there we can't compromise on that. There's no compromise. There's no sitting down and working out a side deal. That's just how it is. Jesus saves. Nobody else saves. See, the world is always looking for another way of salvation. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you all something, and it may discourage you, and you may already know it anyway, but there's a lot of churches with a steeple that reaches high into the sky, and their coffers are full of money because the money people go to those churches. But they don't teach salvation. They don't teach you must be born again. They don't teach it. I'm telling you, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, around the world today, there are countless numbers of people that have been deceived into believing that because of something they've personally done, they're going to go into heaven. No, sir. You'll only go to heaven because you cried out, only Jesus saves. And Jesus, I want you to save me. Save my lost soul. If you've done that, you're saved, and you're ready to meet the Lord. And we'll go into uh, more depth than that, but I don't want to make it much more complicated than that. I think sometimes I I read things that uh, some preachers write, and I think, uh, man, that's pretty complicated, Uh, talking about uh, what you need to do to be saved. And I tell you something, I, I I think a little child, could be sitting in rangers or Sunday school or kids' church or or vacation Bible school, and they have an understanding, Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the dead to give me life. I believe a little child with that understanding can be saved. I believe it. I believe it. Seven years old, I went to the altar at Beulahville, North Carolina, and I knelt in that altar. And I said, Jesus, I know you died for me. And Jesus, I know you rose from the dead. And I was just crying. And I said, uh, I said, Lord, I, I want you to save me. I want to be saved. And the Lord saved me. And I didn't have any deep theological understanding of things. I just knew I was lost. And I knew the only one who could save me was Jesus. And he saved me. And I'm not saying all children. They don't, a lot of children don't have that understanding yet. Uh, a lot of children haven't even been in church enough to have that understanding. Matter of fact, I think there may be so, even some teenagers who who know so little about the Word of God and the Bible and who the Lord is. I don't even think they're, they'd be held accountable. Now, God will have to decide all that. But if you are ignorant, if you don't know, then, then you're not going to be held accountable. But I believe you can have accountability if you've had the right teaching. I believe you can have it at a very tender age. I believe you can have it at a very young age. And um, if a person gets serious and says they want a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he will save them. And I don't know, uh, I haven't really studied far ahead enough to know, but there's probably some discussion in this book about eternal security and and um, there's probably some discussion we'll get into about um, predestination. And uh, there's some very, very brilliant preachers that I have a lot of confidence in, but I don't agree with them on some things. 
I wouldn't want to debate them. I'm sure they're way smarter than I am. But I believe anybody can be saved. I believe anybody can be saved. I, I don't believe it's been appointed to some to be saved and some it hasn't. I believe anybody can be saved. Whosoever wills, what my Bible says. And I know they have an explanation for that, and they say that still don't mean whosoever will. It mean, uh, and they pull in some other scriptures and all that, but, but um, I just believe anybody can be saved. If they get to a point in their life where they know they need salvation and they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, I believe they can be saved, absolutely. I believe that jailer was like that. I don't know I don't know if the jailer knew anything at all about the Lord except maybe what Paul and Silas had taught while they were in the jail. But he knew enough. He said, what must I do to be what? Saved. What must I do to be saved? So he knew he needed to be saved. Really, that's about all you need to know is that you're lost and you need to be saved. I think if you uh, know you're lost and need to be saved, I, I believe at that time there's going to be some light sh uh, that shines from the Lord on you to give you some understanding of how you can be saved. I really do. And uh, that's, a, that's a deep hole we could go down, but, but uh, I, I, I don't believe uh, uh, it's once appointed some will be saved and some won't. I believe anybody can be saved. Another thing I don't believe uh, is that once you get saved, you're automatically always saved. I, I believe that a person can get saved, and, and uh, I believe they can make a decision along the way that they don't want to serve the Lord anymore. and They don't want to be a Christian anymore. I will tell you this, I think it's a lot harder to backslide than we think it is. I don't know about y'all, but me growing up in church, I thought I backslid about every day the way, the way they taught back then when I was in church as a little boy. But... Uh, um, I think you can come to a place. You know, to get saved, you had to make a decision, didn't you? Here's how I look at it. I think to be to go back and be unsaved and need to be saved again, I think you have to decide, I don't want the Lord anymore. I don't want him anymore. I don't want him in my life. I don't want the church in my life. I don't want the Bible in my life. I want to live my life like I want to. I, I think a man can come to that place where he makes that decision. I think when he makes that decision... I think he needs to be saved again. I really do. And, and um, I will tell you that a lot, a lot in the evangelical world don't agree with me. There's a lot, a lot. As a matter of fact, Southern Baptist churches believe uh, predestination. And they believe once saved, always saved. And I love Southern Baptist folks. And I have good fellowship with the preachers. And I believe they're saved. But I don't agree with them on that on that point. It's like they wouldn't agree with me on tongues. So where, where the evangelicals don't agree with us on tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, we wouldn't agree with them on, uh, on uh, once saved, always saved. And... Uh, uh, predestination. We would say, I, I love you, brother, and I believe we'll be in heaven together, but I, I, don't, I don't agree with you on that point. And, and you have to make that decision that you're going to agree to disagree and move on and encourage one another. Amen? Amen. Um, so uh, he talks about that in the introduction. He talks about the word salvation un under the heading introduction. If you look down there and look in the second paragraph, salvation, 
Uh, he talks about it being all-inclusive word, encompasses multiple theological terms. But then he gives a good, a good definition describing, do you see where I'm at in the book? If you got your book, middle of page 103, he says, describing the restoration of an individual's soul to a right relationship with God. That's what salvation is. The restoration. You say, well, why do I need to be restored? I wasn't saved. We, we were in the Garden of Eden created saved. We were created saved. Adam and Eve were not created and needed to be saved. They were created saved. When he made them, they were saved. They had a right relationship with God. They were right with God. They loved God. God loved them. Uh, and then they, they were tempted. Uh, Eve was tempted. Adam fell in with that temptation as well and participated in it. I've preached on that quite a bit since I've been here. You remember how Eve wanted to blame and the, the serpent and then Adam wanted to blame Eve and, and uh, man fell. And when man fell, you fell and I fell because we're men and women. We're humans. We fell. I was born not like Adam and Eve saved. I was born unsaved. I was born needing a Savior. Adam and Eve did not need a Savior. They were saved. But they sinned, and the Bible says their sin passed down upon all men. And now when, when a, a new life comes into the world, every new life, no matter the color of their skin, their nationality, their ethnicity, it don't matter Every person born into this world is born lost and needs to be saved. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. If you look again, let's just read that again. Salvation is the restoration of an individual soul to a right relationship with God. That's what it is. That's what we're talking about. And I've talked about the fall of humanity here quite a bit. And I'm, I'm not going to go into that. He talks about the word regeneration there under the introduction. Uh, regeneration is only one biblical term uh, among many to describe the New Testament salvation. Uh, it frequently is the chosen language to explain Christian conversion, the word regeneration, um, redemption. He, he says classical Pentecostals, that's what we are. Classical Pentecostals include similar wording in their uh, in many of their doctrinal publications, for example, and uh, that's on uh, that's on page one o three, and then uh, and then he has a wonderful information on on one o four, and then down at the bottom of I'm sorry, um, let me see where I'm at here. I'm on one. Let me get on one o four. So 104, at the top of page 104, um, he gives the International Pentecostal the Church, he gives our statement of faith on what I'm talking about. It says, the International Pentecostal, it's at the top of page 104, uh, includes uh, language related to sin and salvation in four of their 14 articles of faith. And here's just a portion. It says, this is what we believe. This is what our denomination believes, and I believe it. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't believe it because our denomination believes it. I believe it because it's in the Bible. Can I, can I say that? Can you say amen to that? 
I love denominations. I love my leaders. I submit to my leaders. But I'm telling you, I'm, I don't believe something because some fella that's above me in the, in the flow chart said it. I believe it because it's in the Word of God. That's why I believe this. And uh, here's what it says in our, in our book, in our discipline. We believe that Jesus Christ shed his blood for the remission of sins that are past, for the regeneration of uh, penitent, that is repentant, sinners, and for salvation from sin, from sinning. That's what we believe. That's in our book. Uh, it goes on. Uh, we agree with other such Pentecostal denominations. Listen to this. Uh, we're in the middle of page 104, little indented part there. Man was created good and upright. Remember I told you that? Adam and Eve was created good and upright. For God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God said, I'm going to make a creature that's above all other things I've created. I'm going to make a creature that has the capacity to love me. I'm going to make a creature who has the capacity to have a relationship with me and love me and worship me. And he made us. We are the highest level of God's creation. I might have made you feel bad about yourself this morning, so I'm trying to make you feel better about yourself tonight. We're God's highest creation. If y'all go to McDonald's after service tonight, you tell that girl when you order that hamburger, you're God's highest creation. Now, she's going to look at you funny, but we're God's highest level of creation. God made us to have a relationship with him. A horse a dog, and I know people love their dogs and their pets and their cats. I, I read it. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure y'all love your pets more than you do your family. But anyway, uh, we, we, uh, we, an animal can't have a relationship with God. And, and, and I love my kitty cats, and I fed them before I left the house tonight to come here and uh, all that. But an animal can't have a relationship with God. Nothing, no creation but us can have a relationship with God. And I don't know why I spent some time there, but I did. He goes on, however, man by voluntary transgression fell in the Garden of Eden and thereby incurred not only physical death, but also spiritual death, which is way, way more important than physical death, which is separation from God. So we'll just stop right there and um, give you something to take home and think about. But you, uh, when you, I hope you do this. I hope you've made a, a, I hope you've made a list of people that are lost that you're praying for. And I hope that you've made yourself available to the Lord to be used by Him to speak to them at the right moment, at the right time. Um, people need to be saved. Your sweet family that you love, my sweet Liam, my sweet Liam, I, I love him uh, with a different kind of love than I, I love anybody else in the world. Now, before Millie listens to this and gets upset, I love her with a different kind of love than I do anybody else in the world too. 
funny. But I've never felt what I felt since we had Liam. I've never felt that. I felt I had love for my boys. I'm not saying this love I have for Liam is higher than the love I had for my boys. It's different. It's different. But Liam, sweet as he is, if he's not saved when he dies, when he reaches that accountability where God holds him accountable, if he's not saved when he dies, he won't go to heaven. Don't matter who his papa was. Don't matter who his grandma was. He's got to be saved. And he's going to hear it from his papa now. I've already questioned him. Boy, you ain't acting like you're saved. Are you saved? Uh, his mom and daddy get tickled at me. Um, but he's got to be saved. Make a list. I'm asking you to do something for me. Make a list. Make a list. Get you a little book. I I've got a little prayer book. I've got prayers I'm asking for. I've got people I'm praying for. I've got people that are lost that I want to see saved. Make you, get you a little book. Make you a list. Put your hand on it. You don't have to go through it every time you pray. Just hold it. Lift, lift it up. Pray for salvation. Pray for the salvation of lost people. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You must. You must. Nicodemus, there's no other way. You must be born again. If your mom and daddy aren't saved, they must be saved. They must be born again. That, that convicts my heart to talk like that. That brings conviction on me to talk like that because I've got family that aren't saved. And um, I know for a fact, well, no, I don't know for a fact. Well, I kind of know because I've tried before saying so I know what the reaction was. But I know I know I would probably get rejected. I probably would get rejected. You ought to be careful how you do it. You ought to be careful when you do it. You ought to be careful what setting it is. You don't want to embarrass anybody. You don't want to make anybody think you think you're better than them, but you got to tell them. you got to tell them. Put your arm around them. Love them. Let them see you weep. And just say, I want you to know I'm praying for you to be saved. And if they scoff at you or... or uh, as the case was with me, they say cuss words at you. Claim you think you're better than everybody else. No, I don't. I tell you why I know you need to be saved, because I know I need to be saved. I don't I'm not telling you you need to be saved because I'm better than you. I'm telling you you need to be saved because I knew I needed to be saved. And I know you do. Anyway, salvation. Salvation, so important. We we might go a little bit deeper in this. Um I'm not sure we will. I might go on to sanctification uh, in the next class because we really, uh, I was looking through these uh, notes, I really have talked to you all more about this topic since I've been your pastor than just about any other thing I've preached on. And I've, I think that's appropriate that I talk about people needing salvation more than any other thing I would talk about. 
so we might move on to our belief in sanctification, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then I've also taught very detailed at this church on the end times, but we'll go through some things there as well. And then we'll be done with this book and we'll move on to some other things. But these things are important. These things are important. We need to know what we believe and what we stand for. And we need to know why we believe it. Amen? So I'm counting on y'all. You can tell the way I'm teaching this, the way I'm preaching it. You, you know I'm counting on y'all to do some scripture work yourself and do some reading yourself. And I know it gets deep. I know he wades in some deep water. But look up some of those scriptures. They'll bless you. They'll help you. You know the word of God will help you. Amen. Um, let's walk up here tonight, if you will. Everybody stand. Let's walk up here. Let's pray for people to be saved. And, and let's pray for the Lord uh, to use us and, uh, and help us. Matter of fact, think about it. If somebody came up to you tonight and told you they needed to be saved, do you, do, do you know what you would say? Have you thought about it? You need to think about what you would say if somebody came up and said, I want to be saved. Uh, one of your family members, maybe they're hearing from somebody else that's witnessing to them. Or maybe they heard a sermon on the radio and they just come to you and they might be under conviction real strong and you don't even know it. And they might come up to you one day and say, I know you're saved. I know you go to church. I know you're a Christian. I need to be saved. What Help me. Do you know what you'd do? I'm not saying you don't know. I'm just asking you. Are you ready? You ready for that? Ready for that question? Are you ready to say, let's pray? Are you ready to explain to them how they need the Lord and only way they can get back with God from what happened in the Garden of Eden is through Jesus? Don't make it complicated, but they need to understand what they're doing. Amen? Amen. If y'all want, and if y'all want to, we can do some training on that. We can do some teaching on that. Help you develop a plan to be ready. Bible says be ready, don't it? Be also ready to defend the faith. Defend. The Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church Incorporated. Copyright 2023.